0: Hey everyone and welcome to our latest This is a Remarkable podcast. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Rebecca Simpson, who is the Chief Executive of Hearts and Minds, a charity that is close to my heart and which I'm proud to be a trustee of. So welcome, Rebecca, and thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Hello, Emily. Thank you very much for inviting me to be part of this. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Great. Well, we're really delighted to have
0: you with us today Um, and obviously curious to hear from you around today's topic, where we'll be exploring how, as a charitable organisation, Hearts and Minds has had to diversify and and I might add very successfully as a direct result of Covid but Rebecca I guess before we kind of get into that I wonder if we could start off by you telling us a bit more about Hearts and Minds and the actual purpose of the charity.
1: Absolutely delighted to do so. So Hearts and Minds as you know is an arts and health charity that uses the art of therapeutic clowning to work with children and young people In hospital, hospices and special educational schools, as well as adults living with dementia. Playfulness, empathy and kindness are at the heart of everything that we do. So everything is built around that. We use clowning to provide human connection with all the people that we meet, that we visit, that we engage with. All of our clowns, which there are many, are professionally trained artists and have all trained in this art of clowning. Mm -hmm. They use improvisation to engage with people when they go to the hospital, the hospices, the schools, the care homes. Improvisation is what they do through clowning. So they could, they might be singing, they might dance, They use puppetry, mime, movement, games, play, a whole host of tools to engage with the people that they're working with to make that connection. All of the visits, whether that's a visit in a hospital or a visit in a care home, is led by the person that we are visiting. So the clown doesn't lead the session. It's the child or the adult that leads the session. So each visit or session is adapted to suit the person. So that's why improvisation is key, because, you know, they might meet a child in hospital And they might start off doing some kind of play with that child, but maybe the child's quite down, doesn't want to do the play. So they'll then improvise and they'll change what they're doing to suit that child and to suit the mood or to suit the the adult living with dementia. So all the time it's led by the person they're visiting. Brilliant. So, and the visits can be to distract a child if they're worried about something, you know, before an operation Mm. or if they're feeling upset. Or it could be also to create a sense of joy, maybe just to bring some laughter into the room for the child. And for the parent, it could also to be to create a sense of calm. Mm. So, we do the clowning for a whole different host of reasons. Mm. And prior to COVID, we were working um, across Scotland in a whole range of settings and with lots of different partner organisations. Our clown doctors or elder flowers would be out and about every week, but in lots of different places, um, hospitals, yeah. lots of schools, lots of care homes, and actually going there in person. And everything we did was about forming that human connection, which we feel is vital for wellbeing.
0: That's wonderful, and it's lovely to hear about that individualized approach and you know and and I think we can't underestimate the the importance of that and and to hear that see it's led by the person, which is fantastic so no thank yeah. you that that's fantastic. So, Rebecca, I think we all know um, how challenging the last six months have been, particularly in terms of facing into a world that none of us have ever experienced before. And and I guess for for you as well, added to this complexity, um, you only joined Hearts and Minds as the CEO in January this year. So I think you you literally had two months of normality as such before the global pandemic hit us. So I I guess I, I wonder if I can start off, Um, Firstly, by asking you, what are the biggest challenges you have faced as a leader since joining Hearts and Minds? I mean, yeah. When you say it like that,
1: it's crazy, isn't it? It has been a crazy time. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, absolutely delighted to be offered the job. I started in January as the CEO of Hearts and Minds. Super excited. Had all these grand plans about what I was going to do in the first few months. I bet. Yeah. And then a couple of <laughs> months in, we didn't see this coming. Um. So I think for me, the biggest challenge—and it would have been a challenge anyway—but it's obviously been a, a massive challenge. It's just about building those key relationships, um, and that's been yeah, it's been a lot harder because obviously it's now all had to be done virtually. So I had so at with hearts and minds, we've got a core team of kind of we would say office based staff, and then we have all our freelance artists. So I was going to spend the first few months getting really getting to know everyone. It's a small team of core staff, so I would have had a really good amount of time to get to know them, and then I would have been out and about meeting all the artists, seeing them, you know, being clown doctors, seeing them being elderflowers, having those conversations, meeting the partners but obviously i had a couple of months of starting to do that and then boom we're all having to work from home everything's done over zoom everything's on the screen everything's virtual yes so i think for me the biggest one of the biggest challenges was just not having that time to build a solid relationship with people a solid relationship with my team so i've then had to try and do that virtually with and then obviously some of my team due to how small we are as a charity and our workload changed drastically went on furlough so then that yeah. happened and then the people that yeah, were then Yeah, so it left, had an impact as yeah, well. Yeah, I had. So then, mm. obviously, they were furloughed, so they weren't working. so then And then I had a smaller group yeah. of know, people left, and they were doing so much because they were left, and we were trying to do so much, so much more virtually. So I think, mm. for me, it was, all, it was about that. It was about building relationships with people, because that is vital for whatever mm. happens next. It's vital for the way that we work as a team. It was vital for them to get to know me, to know that they could trust me. Of course. Yeah, and to know that I had, you know, hearts and minds in my heart that I would do anything I could to make us get through this time. So I think yeah. That, yeah. that building that team, building that team morale, yeah, has been difficult. Um, yeah, But I do feel we we have managed to do that though. And I do feel it has been harder because of this, but I do feel we have a really good team kind of spirit and we do work well as a team, And but it has been hard. But yeah, but we, we are a good mm. solid team, yeah. And I guess that,
0: that probably leads really nicely into the kind of second part of my question. So, you know, you've already said, obviously that relation relationship piece, obviously it's critical, for the success of the team and the organisation, but very hard um, given the circumstances. So, what sort of things did you do uh, to overcome that challenge? You know, how how have you managed to build the relationships? What sort of things have you done? I think
1: um, so. First and foremost, I just had to respect the situation and realise, well, this is it. This, you know, there's nothing I can yeah. do to change where we're at. What's happening in the world? Absolutely. <laughs> I, think yeah. I just had to. I had to respect <laughs> individuals because I think everyone deals differently with every aspect of life and I think for me when this Uh when the crisis you know when it first happened I very much went into crisis mode of we can get through this we can do this and then other people just feel differently think differently everyone is so different so I had to really take a step back and recognize that and then form relationships People in a way appropriate to them, in a way that's appropriate to how they are, how they're feeling. So I had to really just take my time, but then make a big effort to reach out to people and to ensure that I was still as much yeah. as I couldn't meet people face to face, I could still phone them. We could have you know the Zoom meetings. So and just taking that time to still get to know people and not not make it always about the work, just to check yeah. in on people. Are you okay? How are you coping? Not always be contacting them, to ask a question about work. And I think because we did have some people on furlough, we did. We've got a whole big group of freelancers. I th- so for me, it was about just having that regular communication, being open, being honest about things, trying yeah. to be as transparent as you possibly can about things, asking for people's. Thoughts,
0: absolutely and
1: just just try to make sure that everyone regardless of what situation or regardless you know whether they were working they were on furlough they're freelance they felt valued and they felt that they were also playing a vital mm. part in us getting mm. through this yeah i think so. just yeah building definitely. relationships and being open and honest i think is how i cope. that sounds
0: like absolutely the right approach and again you know i suppose what i'm i'm hearing you and um, talking about there is very much kind of you know looking at the individual and uh, what does the individual need from you and actually I could imagine um, Rebecca that that sort of approach must have given you a huge amount
1: of insight about your team yeah definitely because yeah and I think It was really good for me to recognise at the start that everyone is coping so differently because it made me change my approach to people. And I think then it made me, it did it, but I was able to find out so much more about people and the way that they were reacting and responding. Yeah. And I think that really helps when building Um, a relationship with someone and the way you work with someone is about recognising how they are and how different you and them and they are and how that's fine as well, that's good, it's a positive and how everyone brings something different to the table. Yeah, and also just the speed of things like so maybe I I went into the crisis quite I mean looking back maybe quite manic and now now I'm slowing down and I maybe people who were slowing at the start are now picking up the speed so it's good that you've got that kind of the balance yeah Yeah. because you need that don't you you need people to pick each other up help each other all the way through yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, it, um, if it's any comfort, I've heard that, that from so many of, um, you know, the people in my own network as well. So but you're absolutely right. People come yeah. at things at different times and with different approaches. And it's about recognizing that different styles are, are yeah, what you need. Definitely. Great. Thank you. So obviously, Rebecca, I know, um, you know, from being a trustee at Hearts and Minds, that, and and also you you mentioned this when you started um, telling us about Hearts and Minds, that pre-COVID, your practitioner delivery model was all face-to-face. Now, obviously, this change into our virtual world will or has undoubtedly presented a huge challenge for the charity, not least because most of your work or much of your work is delivered in a hospital care mm-hmm. setting, and obviously, for obvious reasons, you've not been able to visit them. So, um, I'm really curious to explore a couple of kind of key areas with you, and and I guess you know, firstly, how have you um, had to diversify and adapt your delivery model in order to continue to deliver these massively valuable services. And again, a second secondary question, what impact has that change in the delivery model had on the team and, and the individuals that they support?
1: Yeah, I mean you're absolutely right. It was pretty much in the blink of an eye, our delivery as we knew it just had to stop. We were no longer able to visit the people in the settings that we had been doing for years. Yeah. Everything just had to stop. But I knew I genuinely knew instantly and I believed that our service was needed more now than ever before. And we just had to work out what was our place and how we did it, how we did the delivery. Yes. And because the why, the why, you know, the why to everything that we do about serving the children, serving the young people, serving the people in the dementia, that hadn't changed. That was still there. So the why was still there. We just needed to work out the how. So... Yeah, so yes, quite quickly, I um, reached out to one of our key partners, Chaz, and I spoke. Oh to yes, him. yep. So I reached out to their new CEO. We'd literally started him not that long before the crisis as well. Um, and I asked oh, if we could. I know, I know. So I asked <laughs> if we could try a virtual clown doctor visit because normally we would be visiting both Rachel House and Robin House weekly. Our clown doctors, you know, have a really great relationship mm-hmm. in there. So obviously that had to stop. So I reached out to him and just asked. Could we just try a virtual clown doctor visit and see how it goes? I didn't know if it would work. And he instantly said yes, and he was up for it. And he very much had the same attitude of, I don't know if it'll work, but let's just go for it. So that's what we did. We asked two of our clown doctors, so our artists, if they would be up for it as well. And it was a whole new way of working for them. So they were extremely brave and just embraced the unknown and they went for it. It was new and it was different and we had no idea how it would go. But we knew, well, I knew... We wanted to try. We wanted to still try and connect with the children, and especially at a yes. time when it was an actual crisis. There was a crisis in the world, and we're all about mm. working with people at times of adversity, and they'd never been in more adverse time than this. So, absolutely, we really wanted to give it a go. So we did it, and then the feedback from the families that we engaged with and Chaz was just overwhelming. And in that oh, moment, wow. yeah, in that moment, I knew that we have a place. We have a place here. We can still you know do our charitable work. We can still help people reach people to spread some joy yes right now we can do it so that was the kind of the starter and then since then we've developed a virtual program and we're now reaching more and more children and we're working in we've got new partnerships with the yard with a charity called Nourish we're doing work with um, a crisis center in West Lothian we've just launched a school program where we're going to be hopefully going into special educational schools virtually and we've also continued to do our elderflower visits in care homes so we once we'd kind of massaged the clown doctor virtual visits. We then picked up the elderflower virtual visits, and we were able to do them as well. And we're now doing elderflower virtual tea parties. So yes, we're doing. a lot Yes, oh, it's been, wonderful. It's been really good, um and it's for me. It was. It was just we wanted to make sure that whatever we did next was just as worthwhile. It can never replace the face to face, like never. Of course. But it could be different, and it could be just as good, but in a different way. So I think the feedback has been vital, yes. and we've constantly been asking for feedback. So, and course. to know that our work is still valuable, it's still meaningful, it's still artistic, it's still you know, it's still providing that providing that connection has just been. Amazing. I'm um, yes. absolutely amazing. Yeah. And then I think so you asked about the the impacts. Yeah, the impact on yeah. the
0: on the team, on your team, but also the impact on, you know, the individuals that they support yeah. of this new way of so, working. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: so I think um so I'll start with the people first. So I think for me, the big worry for me, for my team, for the you know, the clown doctors, for the elder flowers, for our partners was that we just wouldn't be able to get that connection through a screen. It just wouldn't be the same. Would it start to become more more of a, a performance as opposed to an actual connection, an actual you know where you're you're feeding off the yes. people that you're you're connecting with. So would it completely change? But I think. Yeah. Hearing actually from our artists that are doing the visits, hearing from the families that are receiving the visits, that no, it definitely has, it definitely does work. And the connection, someone from a care home that we were talking to just last week said it was unbelievable what was happening. That connection was unbelievable. And we've heard it described as a magical moment. Hi, lovely. Oh, it is, it's just lovely. And the beauty of it as well, the virtual programme enables us to actually see people in their own homes and not even having to travel to the hospice or the hospital actually yes. in their home and that means you know they're sat they're ready for us and the whole family can be involved now and the siblings can be involved and you know I've heard stories of the clown daughters arrive in the house and the whole family sat on the couch waiting for them and it's just amazing lovely and, yeah that's you know, really nice. it's just lovely and one of the one of the parents that we spoke to said that they their child saw them laugh in a way that they never saw them laugh before because normally things can be quite serious and for that moment they all just got to sit down relax and laugh as a family so I think that's
0: just just, just ha- and have a moment of fun
1: aha uh-huh. and the visits you know they're not that long they're about 15 minutes but for those 15 minutes all that matters is that uh, that visit with the clown doctor or the elderflower and that's all that matters so you get to mm-hmm. kind of transport yourself into another little world to be in a little bubble and just go with it and have some fun with the clown doctors so it's amazing and I think for us we've been able to reach children that we maybe would never have been able to see because we would maybe go to Rachel House and Robin House on set days, set afternoons. But now yeah. they can do a call out to families that would maybe never be there on those days and we can meet them. Through our new partnerships, we've been able to meet new families and we don't need to travel anywhere now. So we could be seeing a family in Dundee, then a family in the Borders, yes. then a family in the Highlands, all from our clown doctors. They're just sat in their house doing the visits. So it's, yes. it's been amazing. And then I think for, our, for the artists, I think this whole I mean obviously we're all fully aware of you know the impact on self-employed artists has been massive yeah and we Uh, absolutely uh oh it's devastating and we have Mm. a team of freelance all artists in their own right they do work for us but we also do other work as artists for us it's been a mass that's been massive and we've really felt it and we've really been conscious of that when we're looking at the work that we deliver and how we deliver it and how much work we can do because we're so aware of that impact on them so the impact of the workloads because obviously we were delivering in quite a lot of places every week and then that all stopped. So we've developed this virtual programme. It's obviously developed it's still new, it's developing yes. slowly. We're growing but we're growing slowly. So I think being aware of that. But mm. then also another impact on yes. the artists is just this is a whole new way of working and we were asking them to to work differently like but just so quickly like right we're doing virtual now can you do virtual brilliant let's do it but Mm -hmm. they didn't really have the time I know it was crazy and they didn't really have that time that they would normally take to like explore ways of working how does it work on the screen how like they just didn't get that but what they've managed to do is absolutely amazing and they've just been so bold and went for it and it's just they've adapted and and they've never lost the artistic quality of their work which is just absolutely amazing like just amazing incredible uh-huh and then I think for the core team the office team working differently I think impacted on them I think is just probably just the change of it all we're now doing you know we're now a kind of virtual a virtual delivery charity as opposed to a face-to-face so it's, it's yes it's a big yeah. massive shift and I think some people have struggled with feeling the, the big loss of the face-to-face work although it's not gone forever and it will be back but I do feel you know there's I'm new to the charity so I don't feel that loss as much as them because I didn't have that much time with the face-to-face stuff no but for other people that was yeah. all, all they'd known of the charity for years so I think they've really struggled but I think because we're getting that positive feedback and because we're hearing the stories and we're hearing about the magical moments that we know it's worthwhile mm. and we know the why still there and we so I think that really helps everyone yeah. definitely
0: mm-hmm. it's keeping everyone going yeah. yeah it provides a focus doesn't it yeah, and, and, definitely. and a sense of purpose as well so that's fascinating thank you for sharing that so Rebecca I think you you just touched on it just a moment ago but you know we already know things will never be the same again Mm -hmm. um you know that that that's a fact and we as leaders you know are required to embrace and embed you know this sense of new reality in our own workplaces or as we're calling them now workspaces but Uh um I'm interested to understand from this perspective in terms of the future what sort of things are on your mind in terms of the
1: future? We've just went through a kind of exercise with a team where we've looked at, you know, how we how we responded to the virus, what we mm. what did we stop immediately, what did we start yeah. that was brand new, what did we alter? And then we've kind of went back and reviewed that and to see if any of that we now would want to keep going with that so some things that we saw yeah. do we want to even if we could pick them up again do we actually want to why were we doing things just because we'd always done them we'd so always being, done them
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah uh-huh. and we'd never really ask the question out loud why do we actually do that oh we always we've always done that why do we do that mm. so I think it's been a really good time for that so using that exercise and just having the time now to kind of look at all of that for me it's about yeah I would really just love to you know sustain all the great new work that we're doing but develop it and grow it I think now is a the time there's so much potential with this charity and the amazing work that we do and I think by us evolving really quickly into this whole virtual world shows how how much we can do and how we can reach so many more people yes. and how yeah. we can do things differently and how we can be bold and, and how we can also mm. try new things and not be scared if they go wrong. I think you know yes. the whole thing around clowning and the whole clowning practice is you know don't be scared to make a mistake, don't be scared look silly don't be and I think as an organization as a charity we should adopt the mantra of a clown and don't be scared to make mistakes and don't be scared to try new things and it's okay if it doesn't work as long as you keep learning from it so I think we're um, just about to start the process of writing our new strategic plan for the next three years so I think Mm -hmm. everything that we've done will help shape that and I think for me it's about uh it's just about seeing the potential of the charity and actually as much as it's been crazy to start my job at this time Time. It's actually <laughs> I mean it has. <laughs> but it's actually Well, yeah, it certainly <laughs> has. <laughs> it's actually really exciting because I've came in at a time where there's loads of new opportunities and there's so much potential. Absolutely. And because yeah. you've got the core work that we have always done, the most special work that we do in the hospitals when we go and meet the children, we work in the care mm. homes. But this whole crisis has shown us that there's so much more we could do and there's you know, so it's it's an exciting time. So I think for me Good. Hope, yeah, it is. It really is. And I think I would just like to keep that momentum of being innovative, trying yes. new things, don't be scared yeah. and always reviewing, reflecting and growing. So I think that's what I would, yeah. that's on my mind. That's what I'd like to keep going with.
0: Yeah, sounds really proactive. That's wonderful. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, yeah. So um, at the risk of embarrassing you, um, I know this firsthand already, but your team regularly talk about you as being an exceptional, uh, sorry, exceptionally empathetic leader um, with a very positive and upbeat approach. And I guess I'm curious to understand how these wonderful traits have manifested in your leadership of the organisation and indeed your team over the last six months.
1: Well, thank you very much, Emily. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's not me. It's, um, is your team that I said do it? Try. <laughs> I do try to be as positive as I possibly can be, but I also recognise that sometimes it's actually hard. But, yeah, I do try to. Yes. Um, I think... For me, how it's manifested is just by I know, well they were already there, but I think our team is now really proactive and we are embracing challenges. And I think, as I said earlier, we've kind of we've adopted the clown the the clown mindset of it's okay to yeah. get it wrong, it's okay to make mistakes, it's okay if we yeah. try a virtual visit for the first time. To, it's okay to say to the partners that we're working with this might not work, and yeah. I think that's yeah and yeah so I think hopefully my my kind of positivity and my approach has kind of nurtured that and everyone else and I think Mm. I'm very much a a problem-solving person instead of just saying oh no we can't do that we can't do that I'm always like well how could we do it and is there should we be doing it and if we really want to do it let's work out a way to try it at least so I think I do feel that everyone we've definitely got a team now of problem solvers and I think we come together now to solve the problem so I think that that's definitely happened and I I definitely feel that as a team we yeah we are we're solving problems all the time we're coming to each other and we're saying like, how can we do this how should we do this how can we do it differently so yeah and I think just the whole be bold be brave everyone now has you know we we can be bold we can be brave and I think the confidence and knowing what we do works and it's worthwhile and it's worthwhile worthwhile virtually as much as it is face to face so we know that now so I think yeah Yeah. just yeah and I hope just I try to just you know I try to be happy and spread happiness whenever I talk to people yeah
0: yeah and we're going to come on to that in a bit later so that's great (laughs) you've just trailed my (laughs) my second next question So um, you know, I think if it, uh, obviously Rebecca, it's it's really fair to say that you have experienced a baptism of fire since joining <laughs> Hearts and Minds as their CEO, but you know, very much a fire that you have continued to dampen through your positivity and and you know your compassionate leadership. And I suspect there's been a, a lot of learning in there for you as well. So I guess I'm I'm keen to hear um what have you learned as a leader since joining Hearts and Minds, and and perhaps you know whether you have a nugget of wisdom that you would like to share with other CEOs. And, and leaders at all yeah um I, th- I mean i've learned
1: a hell of a lot Um yeah. this is my first CEO job so um yeah i definitely went in knowing that i would have a lot to learn um so but i think kind of looking back at the last you know since january and going through all of this for me and it fits perfectly with what we do as a charity it's about the human connection mm. and i think that's yep. just vital and connecting to the individual and being aware being aware of fully aware of them and just you know mm. how as I said earlier how everyone is different and everyone works differently and everyone processes differently. So just about connecting to the person, not your not your perception of the person or how you would want yeah. the person to be, but actually connecting to that person and being mm. mindful and respectful of the differences of how everyone works differently and everyone approaches things differently. So just always having that in the back mm. of your mind. And I think for me kindness has to be in everything and yes Sometimes you have to make difficult decisions, you have to have awkward conversations, but as, as long as everything you're doing comes from a place of kindness, then then it will be okay. And I, and I think if you are transparent and if you explain things, then people will understand and therefore they'll get it and they know you're not doing anything, you know, just, just because. You're actually doing it because you have just to. Just because, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah. You're doing it and for you the have right to. reasons. Yes, exactly yeah and I think if everyone yeah. if everyone knows that then they understand and they get it and we've like through this time I have had to have awkward conversations and make difficult decisions but yeah I've always been honest with people and I've always tried yeah. to do it from a place of kindness so I think kindness yeah. and human connection and then just communication regular communication with people yeah I think um, yeah. people really welcome communication and people don't like to not know what's happening and they don't like to feel out of control. And I don't, you know, you don't have to explain everything to everyone. But I think just keeping people up to date with things and ensuring that everyone knows that they play a vital part in the whole. Absolutely. The, whole yeah, the value of their contribution. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, definitely. So I think, yeah, that all. Great. For me, that's something I've learned. <laughs> I've
0: got, I, I've taken some nuggets from that already. So thank you, Rebecca. Oh, thank um, you. So um, I have it on very good authority that you are a qualified laughter yoga teacher. And in fact, I know that, um, you know, throughout lockdown, certainly at the start of lockdown, uh, you were facilitating online laughter yoga sessions for for anyone to join in, which was a, a fantastic idea. Um, and I guess I'm probably not alone uh, when I say I'm not actually particularly okay au <laughs> with the concept of laughter yoga. Um, and, and like me, I, I know that our listeners would love to hear a bit more about it. So I wonder if um, you could tell us what is it, what happens and, and what are the benefits of practicing it? Of course,
1: I, I just love to say before I start, I love laughter yoga. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I love it. Um, so I love to talk about it too. So thank you. Um, good, good i have been I've been doing laughter you got for. It quite a few years now so yeah. So a lot of people don't know about it and when you say to them laughter yoga they often think it is standing in yoga positions laughing and it's not that at all Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so laughter yoga it's a very unique concept where anyone can laugh for no reason without relying on a trigger so you're not needing someone to tell you a joke or you know do something silly to make you laugh it's about you being responsible for your own laughter so it's about you deciding to make yourself laugh so that you get all the benefits And the benefits of laughter are your mental health, your physical health, Mm reducing stress. It helps you form connections with people. So the benefits are massive. There's so many benefits. Yeah. Honestly, after you do a laughter yoga session, you just feel lighter. You feel brighter. You feel happier. Like you really do. And I honestly, I just love it. So it's called laughter yoga because it combines breathing exercises. So you use yoga breathing techniques and and you do laughter exercises. So you work as a group if you're in a group. So you work as a group and then the um, laughter facilitator will lead you through some breathing exercises and some laughter kind of activities. And then as a group, you know, playfulness is mm-hmm. all part of it. Um, so as a group, you'll then just laugh. And what normally happens is you'll probably start off with like a kind of like a, <laughs> a little polite laugh. And then it'll be a friend mm-hmm. laugh. And then it, before you know it, you're honestly barely laughing with a group of people. And it just feels amazing. It's like a big release. And what I say to people when they're doing it is, don't laugh like you're in the library. Don't do a polite laugh. Laugh like you're in the middle of a field, and just go for it, and really, really, really laugh. And the beauty of laughter is, your body and brain get the same benefits, whether it's pretend or real. Mm. So because you're doing mm. it, you still get all those benefits. But you will mm. naturally, even if you start off with a kind of fake laugh, you will naturally, because everyone around you is doing it, it's contagious, and you're before you know it, you're just proper, proper. Yeah barely laughing oh. and it's just it's just—it's—it's joyful it really is
0: oh it's that, i mean it sounds fascinating <laughs> it sounds wonderful and it sounds like it's really good for the soul
1: oh it really is and i and just like um all our clown doctor stuff when i did it over zoom i just didn't know how that would work and oh that was hysterical mm. as well just seeing all those people laughing on the screen it was very funny very funny
0: sounds amazing sounds amazing finally
1: rebecca um you know you're
0: you're not only the ceo of hearts and minds but you're also a human being you've got a personal life outside of work you know and I'm sure that you will agree when i say that this could possibly be one of the most challenging situations you might ever have to navigate through as a leader so I, i'd love to hear a bit more from you by other than practicing obviously your amazing laughter yoga what types of things have you personally done to keep your own well-being and resilience and balance and um, you know from both a professional and personal perspective
1: yeah that's such a really good question I, I think i'm quite good at at looking after myself and seeing mm. and noticing the triggers so I know myself at the start of the crisis when we are really in it it was kind of crisis mode I was all you know doing whatever yeah. it took to get work done to make sure that we could pretty much survive as a charity so it de- there definitely was a point where I was like right enough's enough you know you are going to have to look after yourself so I think just talking to people what walk- going out for big walks I exercise daily probably about five six times a week I yeah. do a kind of 30 minute workout with a group of friends we were doing it virtually um so looking after myself exercising I'm also mm. not afraid to cry when I feel I need to cry I think there's such a so good letting your to emotions crying. out as yeah. well yeah uh-huh. and mm. I think during lockdown I sadly lost my granddad who was one of the um one of my dearest dearest friends so I think it happened right in the midst of it all so I probably never gave myself time then to really grieve for him so I think that came Mm. a little while later but I gave myself time for it and I Mm. gave myself space for it so yeah I think just yeah my mum's a counsellor so I've always been taught to kind of look after yourself listen to yourself notice things so I've very much adopted that and I think that has helped me get through this, definitely.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it has. I'm sure it has. Absolutely. Well that's wonderful. Rebecca, it has been an absolute pleasure having you with us today. Um, you know, thank you for taking us on your journey over the last six months. Um it's amazing to hear, you know, how you have taken the opportunity for hearts and minds out of um adversity. Um and and really interesting to hear your own sort of personal leadership journey you know as a relatively new member of of hearts and minds and i'm certain that um you know many of um, the the leaders listening to this podcast will be able to resonate massively with everything that you've said today so thank you so much for joining us
1: well thank you emily it's been really i've really enjoyed it thank you very much
0: thank you so much for tuning into our this is remarkable podcast today it was great to have you with us and we hope you become a regular subscriber And if we've piqued your curiosity and you're interested in hearing more from Remarkable then please do follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn where you'll be able to access a broad range of interesting and diverse content. Or you might want to check us out at www.thisisremarkable.com where you can subscribe to our regular newsletters.